Luke chapter number 5. So I'm just going to just go over this for just a minute before we read a text. But in the first of it, we see Peter and his uh, partners. And they had been fishing all night. No fish. The Lord said, let down your nets for a draught. And Peter said, Lord, you know, we fished all night. Nevertheless, I'll let down the net. And you know, here's a great, great catch. And by the Word of God, Peter, even before the call, Peter falls on his face before the Lord and said, Depart from me. I mean, what's his perception? This is no ordinary man, is it? So then we see that from there. Verse number 11, They forsook all and followed Him. How could that be? How could that be? Why would you leave your partners, your business, the greatest catch that you've ever caught, why would you leave that? Why wouldn't you want the Lord to join with you? No, they left it all and joined with Him. There's something going on in the heart. You know, that's, that's uh, you know, just looked over and made light of that man can just do whatever he wants to anytime he wants to. But I tell you, the Lord does this work. We come a little farther and He cleanses the leper tells him to go and show himself to the priest. You know, Jesus is doing things. He's messing with things that the law can't mess with. Could the law or the priest mess with a leper? <laughs> Why, they can't even come near. I mean, he's, he's doing things that are just uh, beyond comprehension. So verse number 16 and following... Here we find in verse 16 that the power of the Lord was present to heal the Pharisees. Verse 18, we find a man being brought of four and the roof taken off. And I, I'd like to just clarify something here. You know, a lot of folks would say, well, Jesus saw the faith of these four and He saved this man. Well, I want to read. You read with me for just a moment, if you will. Verse number 19. When they could not find a way to, they might bring Him in because of the multitude, they went on the housetop and let Him down through the tiling with His couch in the midst before Jesus. And when He saw their faith, He said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. So I, I, I'd like to just... Just look at verse 19 and look at this, if you would. They went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling. And when he saw their faith, so is that the faith of the four that brought him? Or is that the faith of the four that brought him and the man? Let me ask you this. Has God ever saved anybody on somebody else's faith? Does the gospel, does the epistles 
give you any inclination that Jesus will save somebody else on your faith? Are you not saved by faith? So there must have been a work going on in this man. You cannot do away with the rest of the Bible and make this verse say, well, he saw the four and he saved this man. Listen to what the Word does say. Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Have you ever heard of anybody being forgiven without repentance? Can these four repent for this man? So I say unto you, don't be swayed to believe that all of the rest of the Bible is changed so this one verse will fit what I think. This man had to repent and this man had to have faith. Jesus is going to go on and the Pharisees are going to say, who can forgive sin but God? Jesus says, which is easier? Is it easier for me to say thy sins are forgiven thee or to say take up your bed and walk? As far as saying either one of them, no difference is there. But what Jesus is going to do is give power to a man that had no ability to even get there of his own. He's going to give that man power Not only power, but faith to believe and a power to get up and walk. He's going to prove. Well, I tell you, he's just doing some amazing things. And they said they were amazed, verse 26, and they were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. After these things, I tell you, he... He's just getting farther and farther out from the law, isn't he? He's going to go by the, by the receipt of customs. So here he is at the receipt. He's, he's coming by the tax collector. Now, these tax collectors are hated by the Jews. Hated by the scribes. Hated by the Pharisees. But let's, let's listen for a few minutes. And after these things, verse 27, he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom, and he said unto him, Follow me. And he left all, rose up, and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his own house, and there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with them. But the scribes and Pharisees, their scribes and Pharisees, murmured against his disciples saying, Why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And they said unto him, Why? Why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers, and likewise the disciples of the Pharisees, but thine eat and drink. And he said unto them, Can you make the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? 
But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then shall they fast in those days. So Jesus is proving who He is over and over. He is God in the flesh. So here we come to Levi, or Matthew as he's named in other of the Gospels, a man that is a tax collector, and Jesus is going to say, follow me. Now isn't it amazing that those words are all that are said and Matthew or Levi leaves this. So this, just think about it with me if you would. After these things, he went forth and saw a publican. So there must be... Now, this word Levi and Matthew, you know, that's, that's a Jewish name. Why is this man collecting taxes? Has this man given up all hope of satisfying the law? Has this man given up all hope of meeting the stringent requirements of the Pharisees? Now, you think about this man. You talk about a man that's got money. This man is in a position to make money. This man is in a position to have the favor, not of the Pharisees, not of the religious, not of that group, but the rest of that area. I tell you, he's a man in favor. He's a man, so I, I think about it like this. He's got a worldly position. He, he's got the world's prosperity. And you know something? There's no question about that. This, this job is not going away. Can you see that? Can you see what a place that, that Levi is in? Is he in a place that it, it would be in your thinking that a man that doesn't have even a place to lay his head, a man who is blasphemed and a man who is called uh, uh, one born of fornication. Do you see any hope for Levi's future in this man that says, follow me? <coughs> Levi's in a great place just like Peter and his partners were earlier. He's in a wonderful place if you want to go after the world. He's got the world. He's got the money. He's got the position. He's got this. And you know what? He's got a place that as long as Rome is in authority, he is sitting in a fine, fine place. I tell you, there must be something besides a word coming to the ear saying, follow me. There must be something else going on in the heart of Levi that would cause him to leave the receipt of custom. I to leave this place, this place where he's well off, this place. You know, we're going to find that he's going to have a feast in just a little while. He's got a lot of friends. This man is not friendless. He may not be friends and the Pharisees may hate him, but I tell you what, he's got friends. But you know what he's going to do? He's going to leave all of that. 
He's going to leave everything that the world's got to offer. He's going to leave all of that and by these words, follow me. <laughs> How could that be? I tell you, by, it's by the power of God. There's a work of God going on in the heart of Levi that causes him to leave the receipt of custom and follow the Lord Jesus. No certainty here, no promise here. The truth is, less than three years, the man that he's following is going to be dead. Isn't that right? A man who doesn't have a place to lay his head. A man who all of Judaism is going to rise up against him and they're going to crucify him. I tell you, there's a call of God going out. Listen. You know, Levi Levi has no hope through the Pharisees, does he? He's done away with. You're done, buddy. You couldn't get back in if you wanted to get in. We're done with you. That's what religion will do for you. I tell you, the Lamb of God can make a change in your life and bring you into a newness of life that you've never known before. Levi, uh, just you, you think that there's nothing happened here? I tell you, there's a great work happened here. When Peter and James and John leave their fishing vessels and leave their fathers and leave all of that behind, there must be a work of God done. And there's evidence of a work of God done. When that, when that man that's healed of leprosy, there's evidence of a work of God done. That man that got his bed up and began to walk, there's evidence of a work of God done. Levi is going to leave being a tax collector and all of his friends and all of his family and all of the money and all of the prestige. I tell you, friend, this man is a place where people beg and a place where people bow down and a place where he can ask for what he wants and he can get it. He's going to leave all of that. And there's evidence of it. Listen to what the Word of God says. And Levi made a great feast at his own house. (laughs) So the Lord doesn't have a house, but Levi's got a house. Levi's got a house. And there was a great company of publicans. You know, here's, a, here's another bunch of people. They may be some of them that's been raised as Jews. And you know something? If you're going to get into the kingdom of God by being a Jew, there's no hope for you. There's no hope for me. There's no hope for any one of us that are sitting here tonight. There's no hope that we will ever be able to get into the kingdom of God. We're never going to meet the requirements of Judaism. We're never going to meet the requirements of the Pharisees. We're never going to be in a place of perfection. But I tell you, the Lord Jesus Christ can make a change in your life and bring you into the family of God. And I want you to know this, He's not going to leave you like He called you. He's going to give evidence of a work done in the life. Levi's going to call all of his publican buddies and they're going to come and a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with them. Where's Jesus? He's right in the midst of this crowd. The scribes, 
And their scribes and Pharisees murmured and said, Why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus says, You don't need any help. You know why they didn't need any help? They didn't see themselves as sinners. You think the publican knew that he was an outcast? You think the publican had been looked down on so many times by religion that he thought there's no hope for me? That's just the way that I felt like this spoke to me. As I'm reading this, I feel like Levi says, you know, there's no hope. I might as well make the best that I can, do all that I can, gain all the gusto that I can get in this life, live it up, but you know, here comes the Lord Jesus. Here's a man with no hope in Phariseeism. Here's a man with no hope in religion. And the Lord says, follow me. And He leaves it all to follow Him. And I tell you what He does. Our friend, He doesn't just say I'm saved. He makes a great feast and calls the rest of His family. Calls the rest of His publican friends. Calls the rest of the tax collectors. And said, I found a new hope. I found a new way. I have found the Lord come by and call me. Uh, the Lord, the Pharisees wouldn't speak to me, uh, but the Lord come by and call me unto Himself. Thank God that God would look on such as I am and would call me. You think, you think Levi's happy? I tell you, he's a happy man. He's a happy man. He's leaving all of that. And he left all and rose up and followed him. Why would you do that? Let me ask you logically. Why would anybody do that? You tell me that the natural man is going to make a decision to follow Jesus when I've got all that the world has got to offer in my hand, and I'm going to follow Him, there's no way. There's a work of God going on in Levi's heart. This Word of God that came to Levi, I tell you, you talk about a great work. There's a work going on in here, and Levi is going to evidence this work. So Jesus... When he called Peter, Peter and James and John evidenced the work, didn't they? The, the, the man with leprosy evidenced the work. The man with palsy evidenced the work. Levi is going to evidence the work. Should there be evidence if I'm really saved? Should there be evidence? Let me ask you, should there be joy? Is Levi joyful? Preacher, it don't say Levi's joyful. It says this, Why does John's disciples pray and fast and the Lord's disciples eat and drink? <laughs> now let me ask you, is fasting and praying, does that sound like joy? Or does eating and drinking sound like joy? I tell you, Levi is happy. Levi is happy, and you know something? 
when the Lord's nearby, you can't help but be joyful. You know, in this day, we'll read this, that the, the Pharisee said to the Lord when he went to pray at the temple. You remember? What did he say about fasting? I fast twice a week. That's what he said. Do you know that there is only one day a year? One day a year that Jews were called to fast. The Day of Atonement. Now just think, where did all of that fasting come from? Man. Man. We're going to make our face look hollow. We're going to look like we hadn't eaten a week and a half. Let me ask you, does that get any favor with God? One time, one day a year, there was a fast required of God on the Day of Atonement. You know what that day was? That was a day that Israel remembered their sin. That was a day that Israel remembered their distance from God. That was a day that Israel was looking for the mercy and the grace of God because of all of their sin. You know what ought to bring a fast in my life? What ought to bring a fast in my life? My separation and my sin ought to bring about a fast in my life. But if I'm near to the Lord, it ought to bring a joy in my life. It ought to bring a praise in my life. It ought to bring a glory to the Lamb of God in my life. Levi is enjoying and has called all of his publican friends to come and join with him and enjoy the presence of the Lord. You know, I mentioned this earlier. I mentioned a week or two or three or four ago, a fast, ladies and gentlemen. Now just think about that. One day of fasting in a year, the Day of Atonement. If I realize my distance from God, you know what that ought to bring? That ought to bring me to a place that my stomach is turned upside down and my heart is all to pieces. You know, that'll bring me to a place that I'm not desiring to eat. That'll bring me to a place where I'm desiring and longing after God. You know what? I believe you could say it like this, and probably most everyone here of any age has probably been lovesick before. And your heart was tore all to pieces. And when your heart was tore all to pieces... Your belly was tore up too, wasn't it? But know this, that the fasting is not the goal. The Pharisees had made fasting the goal. The goal, ladies and gentlemen, the goal should be to come near to God. And my realization that I'm not near to God should bring about a fast. My, my uh, a separation or annihilation from God should bring me to a fast. The fast shouldn't be the goal. I tell you, the goal should be the reconciliation unto God. 
The fast is a result of my realization I'm far away from God. Why? Why do John's disciples fast and make prayers and likewise the disciples of the Pharisees, but your disciples eat and drink? Well, Jesus said this, Can you make? Can you make? You see that? Can you make the children of the bride chamber fast when the bridegroom is with them? Is it appropriate to fast and to weep and to mourn at a wedding? Is it appropriate to laugh and to eat and to have a big time at the funeral? So let me ask you, if the Lord Jesus comes by, should it be a time of joy? Should it be a time of feasting? Should it be a time that we enjoy, that we've been delivered, that we've been called out, that we're no longer under Judaism, that we're no longer under the law, that we're no longer under that that is absolutely hopeless and we're helpless to meet the standard of God? Isn't it wonderful that the Lord Jesus would accept us and bring us in by the grace of God? It's not appropriate, is it? Jesus says, can you make? Can you make the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? These don't go together, do they? Well, let me ask you something, folks. If we're genuinely saved and we're born again and we're children of God, should there not be some joy there? Is that not what he's saying? Are you a part of the bride? Is the bridegroom near? Well, I, I say this. If I'm saved, he is nearer to me than he was to Levi. Levi, he may have been sitting somewhere around the table. For me, he lives within the heart. I tell you, there ought to be a joy in my house. Levi invited his family and his friends and his publican uh, cohorts to come down to his house because the Lord was there. My God, how joyful should we be if the bridegroom is near? Can I fast if the bridegroom is near? If sin has separated me, I can fast. If sin and wickedness has separated me, I could fast and pray. I should, shouldn't I? But if the bridegroom is near, it looks like I ought to enjoy that. What is this evidence? Evidence that the Lord moved in at Levi's house. That the Lord did a work. 
So if the Lord was to move into your house, individually, into your heart, into your temple, into you, should there be joy? Should I be fasting if the bridegroom is near? You remember this Scripture? Remember when they come off of the mountain and there was a man that had brought his boy and the disciples couldn't do anything with him. Jesus cast the unclean spirit out of him and the disciples asked a little later, Lord, why couldn't we do that? Why couldn't we do that? He said, this kind cometh forth by only. This kind by fasting and prayer. What did they need? I think they needed the presence of God. Isn't that what we need? Isn't that what we need to convince our families? Isn't that what we need to convince our lost people that sit in our midst? Isn't it the presence of the Lord, the joy in our heart of the overflowing Holy Ghost of God in us? Would that not bring a witness and show unto our families that the Lord is near? What's wrong? What's wrong, folks? Read the last few verses with me. No man put a piece of new cloth on an old. Otherwise, then both the new maketh the rent, and the piece that was taken out of the new agreeeth not with the old. No man put new wine in old, to old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled, and the bottles shall perish. But new wine must be put in new bottles, and both are preserved. No man having drunk old wine straightway desireth new, for he saith the old is better. Well, this is... This is way out of place, isn't it? What's this got to do with the rest of the chapter? You remember this? These men are drunk with new wine. What day was that? They're drunk. Oh no, we're not drunk. No, we're not drunk. It's the Holy Ghost. That's what it was. So let me ask you this. Can you take the law and put the gospel with it? You can't do that. And you can't take the old man under the law and put the Spirit with it. You can't do that. So here's the old unregenerated man and we're going to try to bring him to a place that he's going to enjoy the gospel. Now I tell you what has to be done. The old man has to be done away with and a new man and new wine put in. Jesus is going to... There's going to be a regeneration. Listen folks. 
you'll never be able to enjoy what God has given until you're regenerated. You can't put on new religion, try to live by the gospel without having a change on the inside. Here's the natural picture. They're going to take a wore out pair of blue jeans. I'm going to take a new, I'm going to take a new cut out of a new pair. I'm going to sew it on that patch and when I wash them, the new patch is going to shrink up and the hole in my old blue jeans is now going to be larger. I'm going to take new wine. Not fermented yet. Not expanded to its max yet. I'm going to put that in an old wine skin. I'm going to put that in an old wine skin which was made out of animal. Out of animal intestine or out of animal hide. That old animal hide is crusty and old and has no flexibility in it. When I put the new wine in it, I'm going to lose the wine and I'm going to lose the vessel. What does Jesus do? I tell you through the Gospel, the Holy Ghost is going into a man and there's going to be a new man to receive the new Word of God. We're not going to be under the law any longer. You know what? They said, well, the old wine is better. Let me tell you this. The old wine is the outside man only. Uh, friend, you want to live under the law? I tell you that man says, well, it's easier if I can just do the do's and don'ts on the outside. Jesus is not interested in the do's and the don'ts on the outside. He's interested in putting new wine in a new wineskin. Jesus is interested in making a new man and a new woman out of you and putting the Holy Ghost in you and making a new creation from top to bottom, inside and out. Man wants to mix these two. They will not mix. You cannot put on Jesus Christ without having regeneration. The old man has to die and there has to be a new man raised out of that. The old man has to die with his sin and I tell you what he'll do when there's a regeneration, that old man with his desires and his wants and his wishes and his old habits they're going to die and He's going to put the Holy Ghost in you and I tell you, you're going to be able to expand and contract and you're going to be able, little by little, this is going to take over your life. There ought to be some joy if we're genuinely saved. But you know what we're doing? We're trying to put Jesus new wine into an old wine skin, the same old me, without the regeneration. We're going to have to be born again. In the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus and also in the book of Numbers, he said this, You shall not wear a garment made of linen and wool. 
So the linen, I believe you could look at the linen, and that's what the priesthood in the Old Testament wore. You know what John the Baptist wore? The linen was made out of flax. The linen was made out of plant. The linen was made out of the works of man. What John the Baptist wore was a a leather girdle and a camel's hair. Every bit of that came from something living. Those two don't go together. I tell you, you don't do that. Aaron and John don't go together. The law and the gospel don't go together. The hopelessness of the law and the hope through the gospel, the the absolute expectation, they don't go together. Bondage. The law brought us under bondage, did it not? You know what the Lord's going to do? He's going to free us. They don't go together. Can you see that these don't go together? You can't put new garment, a new piece of cloth on an old garment. You're just going to rip it up even more. You're going to make the whole greater. I tell you, friend, you take the gospel and try to put that on the old man without regeneration. Friend, I tell you what we've got. We've got a twofold child of hell. Can you see that the rent is made worse? Can you see if we put new wine and old wine skins that we're going to lose both the new wine and the old wine skin? No man having drunk old wine. Now listen, it's not saying that he wouldn't, but not straightway. Is there a rejection? I, I tell you this, that religion is a lot easier for the carnal mind than salvation. We've been drinking the old wine and we like it better. You know, the old wine doesn't get into the heart. The old wine doesn't get into a new wineskin. The old wine just has to do with the outward man. I mean, I haven't committed adultery and I haven't murdered anybody, you know, as long as you don't talk about covetousness. If you don't talk about adultery in the mind or adultery in the heart, you know, I, 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 I really like the old wine better. A lot easier to meet the requirements, isn't it? But you see, the Lord Jesus brought it from the outside to the inside. And I feel what He's going to do. He's not going to leave us with the old man. Thank God He's not going to leave us with the old man and try to live for God from, the, from a, a desire of the heart. No, I tell you what He's going to do. He's going to get rid of the old man. He's going to kill the old man. The old man is going to be buried with him in baptism and praise God by the work of the Holy Ghost. There's going to be a new man get up with a new desire and a new ability. Read with me just a few verses. 2 Corinthians. Very familiar Scripture. Listen, folks. If you've got to force yourself to enjoy church, 
know this, that's not of God. You got to force yourself to try to stay awake, that's not of God. You got to force yourself to try to understand and, and, and try to get a hold of the Word of God. That's not of God. I tell you, it's natural to be in the presence of the Lord and to have joy. And it's natural when you're not in the presence of the Lord how to have the mully grubs and to be fasting and to be praying and have no joy. It's the truth. It. You see, they were going to have to force themselves to fast. If they want to fast down at Levi's house, that would be totally against nature. I tell you, God gave me a joy. When He saved me, put His Spirit within me, forgave me of my sins, here I am, a new man with a new desire, a new want to, a new longing. I say this, friend, He did not leave me in that same old hopeless mully grub situation where there was nothing I could do and no joy in it. I, I'm just failing everywhere I look. Thank God, according to what Trish sung a few minutes ago, and according to the Bible, I am trusting in a finished work that Jesus did. But listen... Listen with me. Let's read a few Scriptures. 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. That word means creation. He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And all things are of God. I tell you who did the work. God did the work. And it was God who reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ. You tell me you're reconciled to God and there's no joy? You tell me you've escaped hell and there's no joy? You tell me you are on your way to heaven and you're a member of the church and you're a part of the family of God and there's no joy? I say that's not natural. There's something wrong with us. We ought not to be ruled <coughs> by the law. There ought to be some freedom of the Holy Ghost in our lives. <coughs> well, I just come to church and I just have to make myself enjoy it. Well, let me ask you this. If you have to constrain and force yourself to enjoy it, how's it going to be when you supposedly get to go to heaven? If you can enjoy a freedom from hell, a freedom from the devil, a freedom from the payment of your sin, if you can enjoy the presence of the Holy Spirit of God today, there's something not natural about that. Paul said, the love of Christ constraineth us. <laughs> Go on with me to uh, Ephesians. Now listen, the old man, the old man's gone. We got a new wine skin with the Holy Ghost in it. We got a new man 
with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in our heart. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. You think God saved me, created me, gave me a new desire and a new want to, and there's no joy in it? I don't believe that. Go with me to Ephesians chapter number 4, verse number 22 and following. Paul says this, I don't want you to be like other Gentiles that are, that are lost, ignorant, in the blindness of their mind. Listen, listen to these words now. That you have put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. What did we say that word conversation meant Sunday night? That's our behavior. So the old man's behavior is gone. Listen, 4.22. That you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt, <coughs> according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, Wherefore, put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Let me ask you this. Am I a member of God? Is He a member of me? Am I a part of the family of God? You know what He said? The old man, put that old man off. That old man is dead and I've raised up a new man. That old man, the old me, that old man died. My friend, when I come down under my sins and under my condemnation, that old man died and in the resurrection, when I was resurrected, there was a new man, there was a new wine skin, and praise God, new wine put in it. Well, you know, it just, it just, it just tires me up. I just can't enjoy it. I tell you what the problem is. You're still trying to live for Jesus without the old man being dead. There's been no resurrection. Read with me again, if you will. Read with me in Colossians chapter number 3 and verse number 8. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 8. But now you also put off all these anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy and filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing you have put off. Do you see this? You have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. I ask you, are you a new creation? Have you been created new by the work of the Holy Spirit of God? Are you a new creation? If any man is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. All things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. How in the world could they enjoy and have all of this feasting and, and enjoying of the goodness? I tell you why it was because the Lord was near. Why would I not enjoy what Jesus has done? The only reason I can think is that He is not near.
I'm weeping. I'm praying. I'm seeking His nearness in a way that will never, ever bring me any satisfaction. If He would call to you, would you come? If you would give up on your religion and come and be born again. If you would come and trust only in the call of God and the work through and by the Word and by the Holy Spirit to make a new creation out of you, you could enjoy real God-sent, Holy Ghost, indwelling communion with God.